0: The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Detroit,
1: we got eggs up there. Let's call the radio on Detroit. Alright, I am not right on the target right now. I've got a something
2: beam right in front of them. Go down, please.
0: Welcome to the Lead the Sheep podcast. We've been all over the United States these last few weeks, so we figured we might actually record and talk about what we've done, which I don't think was a great contribution to society. But we did a lot over the last few weeks. But probably the biggest jet setter of the group is none other than our master of the decks, Wiggity Wiggity Wiggity. Oh, wait, no, not those kind of decks, Stream Decks, Steve Toast. Steve, how are you doing?
2: Good, what's up, man? I don't know. I'm at back home, but I think my liver might still be in Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you left it by the parking lot when I turned out of the uh, out of the hotel there. So <laughs> either as a commentary on my driving or how much alcohol you had the night prior. I don't I don't know which. I'm gonna blame it on the alcohol, not my driving. We are also joined by that long lost member of the Lead Pursuit podcast, none other than Casey. Casey, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm good, guys. It's good to be back be here.
0: You, you stood us up, you know, we're, we're literally within a couple hours of you and you didn't even come by and say, ah, oh, next time. You Blame your time. air conditioner. Yes. Drama of, oh, I had, to, I had to go shoot my air conditioner so I don't have to go to TLC. Don't worry, you're on report, mister. We know this about you. Go listen to him, John. <laughs> John, he didn't want to come up there anyway. Yeah, so thanks, because that meant that Steve and I had to go to dinner with the Raiders, which is always an experience in and of itself. And we'll talk about that later. But let's recap kind of where we've been and what we've done since the last episode that we dropped on y'all like a ton of bricks or like a big steaming turd. Either one. Um, But episode 109, uh, talking about the Wing Commander uh, release, the not very well-proofread Wing Commander release. Uh, That's all right. We keep finding little glitches in there. No big deal. Nothing that a good errata can't solve. Right, Steve? It's not embarrassing. No, not at all.
2: No, they're doing good. I mean – there's a lot of people playing it, right? There's that, a lot that of people reading so there's, it, there's playing people it, playing There's people playing scenarios, it.
0: playing the campaign sy- system. Uh, Casey, you still don't have a copy, do you? Casey fell off the edge of the earth. I'm sorry, I broke
1: my mic. No, I still don't. <laughs> it's still like in order. It's waiting. It's <sighs> That's all right.
0: That's all right. We would send you a digital copy if Warlord had given us it. A, a, <laughs> no, yeah, they didn't do that. I can't even buy a digital copy. I mean – who, who does that these days? It's funny wow. you say it, though. I think it's supposed to be here this week, so. Okay. Well, good. that I won't feel so bad for not sending <laughs> you my copy uh, after I summarily burned it, uh, after they messed up my scenario. At least they spelled my name right, Gloover. Um, <clears throat> but where have we been? So we did TLC right after episode 109. Steve and I rolled out there, and then Steve, from there, you rolled back to Historic On the next weekend. Uh, and Casey, you still did nothing, right? No, right? just work. No. <laughs> just work. Such a such a sad, sad state of affairs. <laughs> Poor Casey. We all love Casey. Moment of silence for Casey's hobby life. <laughs> yes, yes, it's dead.
2: Hey, I'm gonna I say his Casey meme shows. game. His meme game was on point while we were at TLC, though.
0: Yes, uh, yes, it was. And don't worry, uh, listeners, audience, you won't see any of those memes that were generated. <laughs> they are so inappropriate that even I won't share them, which means they're really inappropriate.
1: <laughs> I got a lot of research done. At least, you know that's the that's the well, important part. Well, Lots of reading good. done.
0: That's good. At least you got some reading done in the 96-degree heat, whatever, 110-degree. No thanks. All right, so we're going to skip over all the other BS we normally talk about. What's coming out? Um, what is on the horizon? Because we, we've already talked a lot about the Italians. Some more aircraft are coming out. Uh, we've talked about some of the drama with the Warlord casts themselves. But let's talk about hobby events. So Twisted Lords. Yeah, uh, we're out there for uh, Blood of the Skies tournament. Yeah, that was, not, that was another, uh, not, not not a plus. Uh, and we also did a Furball, and then we played some Snapship Tactics, which was kind of an interesting uh, game we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, the streams are going to go up on YouTube, hopefully sometime after this episode. So if you missed us live and you didn't catch it on Twitch, uh, then you'll be able to see those things and see all of us in our, basking in our glory uh, there in the interwebs, uh, streaming everything. But let's talk about the Furball. So Furball was kind of fun. Uh, what do you think, Steve, with the, the group we had there and the aircraft and all of the setup for it? Uh,
2: the furball was super fun. You did forget the first event, which was the uh, John Russell plywood 100-yard dash.
0: But Well, you know, I, I was trying to not uh, reveal <laughs> that you were his indentured servant. Uh, so so full disclosure, uh, here's my lesson learned from a few TLCs, and I'm sure Casey will back me this, up on this. Uh, it is cheaper for both your medical bills and your pride to get an Uber or a rental car at the airport rather than to let John Russell pick you up. So we're <laughs> we're gonna pick on John because we love him. Um, but but literally that is, opens up the door where oh yeah wait a minute I gotta run by storage oh wait I gotta go do this and and you got the worst of it I've I've never had that level of John Russell unloading. It's been hey help me with some boxes out of the truck help me with some terrain boards. You got how many sheets of plywood again?
2: No, it was worth it. It was a great game. It was fun, but we couldn't let that go without just making a little bit of fun of it, right? Yeah. It's 100% worth it.
0: So it was was quite a few sheets of plywood that you had to unload, which uh, we'll talk about the game that was for here in a second. Um, But besides the setup, uh, the first event, the the furball had a handful of players. It was fairly good i mean we got some people in there to try the airplanes and to try some of the uh, the different traits and it was a, a much smaller furball it wasn't the 12 foot long table uh, that we had there at uh, at Adeptcon. so we did it on a regular four by four table had the streaming gear all there so it was a little a little cramped uh, but it was i thought it was still a good time to get people around the table be social and, and play a little blood red skies
2: oh for sure i thought it was really good uh I think what we've really do great with the furball is kind of randomizing those traits so even though yeah. you might be using a plane and you might get a trait that isn't with that plane I think it's really cool to get people experience with the different traits so you just uh, learn how those mechanic works plus I think it's a really good way of kind of like sp- Teaching the game, like oh, here's this, here's this, here's this, and it just gives people a lot of reps really quickly. So yeah, I, th- I think the furball is here to stay. Really I think is. yeah, yeah.
1: furballs are such a great idea too for like the first night too, as people are arriving. You know, you don't have to get like too crazy involved, and it, it's almost like a perfect icebreaker.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was it was good because there were people that were at the furball that kept coming back and checking back and talking through things. uh So that that worked out well. W- one thing we did different, and Steve alluded to it, was instead of having everyone play a traded airplane and then giving out uh doctrine cards or theater cards or whatever when they over when they flew over the power-ups we had no one play with traits and then we would give them traits when they hit a power-up so you might gain a robust card or you gain a rapid roll so that way you really got a a quick swap through all of the different cards even if they were cards that didn't go with your airplane you got to see what deep pockets did what great climb did all, all those kind of things and um and i think that probably is Better for an intro player to really get a fire hose, you know, kind of like, kind of like some speed dating a little bit with <laughs> with uh, Blood Red Skies, as we, as we've talked about before. We've we've even suggested doing individual tables where you play two your know, two aircraft versus two aircraft, one v one with another player. Um, and when you lose, that's fine. You just go to the other table and meet someone new and, and uh, play Blood Red Skies that way. Uh, but it's a great intro, so I think I think it's a lot of fun, and we're definitely going to keep doing that for the events we're at. So events we're at being the big foot stomper because uh, <laughs> the schedules are getting busy. Okay. Uh, Steve, anything else you saw in the fur ball that you thought was interesting or worth, uh, worth bringing out? Uh,
2: just that, like you said, you know, just to repeat, it's great. If you see us at an event, you're not sure you want to play blood, blood red skies. You're not sure uh, if you want to lock yourself down to an event. Cause I'm really that kind of guy. When I go to conventions, I really don't sign up for a lot of events cause I just kind of want to, kind of wander around and see what what kind of entices me to come in. I think it's a great one to get into just uh, because it happens so quick. It goes fast. It's pretty laid back, pretty chilled. Uh, Yeah, it's just a fun time.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then we uh, we did a little bit of roaming ourselves, saw the other stuff that was getting set up and the other events, lots of vendors in there. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff. There were some uh, neat 3D printed miniatures. Uh, there was obviously a lot of standard Warlord Fair and other miniature gaming uh, companies there. Uh, there people playing uh, Gettysburg again for the 400th time. Uh, I think they had Gettysburg for the entire set of days. Uh, so they had that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about our favorite pirate game here in a second. Uh, but there were a, a lot of offerings there. So if you think that Twisted Lords is just warlord games or just warlord derived things, it's not. So they did have a big bolt action tournament. Um, but they also had people playing you know, demos for Flames of War, Team Yankee, uh, and playing full on other game systems. Uh, big Wings then- of Glory game? Yeah, there, there was, there was Wings of Glory. There was another one, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, shoot. I can't remember. It was another World War I uh, game that was out there that used, uh, used similar scale miniatures, the one doing scale miniatures. Uh, so that was pretty fun. It looked like it was a really good size, large game. And, and of course, you know, the, the funny thing for us was we kind of got a great setup in our own room, but as a result, we were kind of sidelined. So I think lesson learned for us is we, we, are we're attention hounds we're obnoxious people we want to be in the center of the of the big room uh, and we were not so we weren't the focus of attention but we had a great setup there so thanks to to john and the tlc group uh, we had plenty of room to set stuff up plenty of room to set up the games we did not play uh, and uh, plenty of room for the tournament tables we did not need yeah so uh about that tournament once again thanks to mike lewis (laughs) bro hooking us up So Mike was our one and only turnout for the tournament. Um, obviously, uh, disappointing for us. We wanted to run a tournament, uh, but it was a great opportunity for us to play. And I got to play Mike uh, and walk through some of the tournament setups and try some other things and uh, kind of do a, a live stream experiment with a couple scenarios. Uh, what what uh, what thoughts did you have on that, Steve? I mean, what? Obviously, we totally changed the format.
2: We yeah, played... it wasn't a tournament, obviously, right? No, uh, not but at it all. was cool. It gave us time to sort of test some stuff that we've kind of talked about testing in, like, I would say like a semi-realistic environment, right? So that was kind of cool to get some realistic play testing in. And it's, I don't know, it was cool to kind of play like the flip flop scenario thing with you and Mike, it was cool to kind of see that. Uh, Certainly we got a ton of practice using the streaming setup. And I think if you watch that at Adepticon, our stream, and uh, you're going to see if you didn't catch a live stream, but when you put on YouTube, I think we really got that. I mean, I think we've really got that dialed in moving forward for when we get to our, our big show. That's a depth So yeah, I mean, the tournament didn't go off as we expected, but I don't know. It was a good time. It was fun. I got to actually play a little bit. You got to play a little bit. That doesn't always happen. So yeah, I mean, it was a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Casey, did you get to watch the stream at all? Are you too busy sweltering in the heat? I was sweltering in the heat, but I did get to
1: watch a little bit. And uh, like I said, I mean, the stream looked good.
0: Yeah, I think, I think we learned one, a lot. It
1: was the other one. The volume was just a little low.
0: Yeah, so, so we had a few uh, Amazon headset problems, as we'll call it. But technical glitches like that aside, I think I think we've kind of worked out a lot of the other bugs for what we want to do. Um, the, the three games with Mike were fun. Uh, I laugh because we started off uh, and we played scenario two. So we, we played uh, just a straight up game uh, for uh, for scenario two. And, you know, I used a list I'd put together in like five minutes previously that I keep falling back on. It's so funny. Uh, and I'll talk about that here for a second. So I think I first used this list playing you, Steve, in our grudge match. Or I used a derivative of it. So the first time I used it, it was two aces and hurricanes. Um, and then I think it was three other airplanes is how I used it. It was like a, four two threes or something um so it was it was a couple aces and some other stuff and they had different ace traits they were trying to trying to be kind of crazy then i think i used it the next nashcon i think i used it uh, when i played uh, don and Rhonda and a couple other people um and in that one i'd kind of refined it to just being aggressive Uh, i don't think it was three aces yet in that list uh and i got to this one like yeah, yeah whatever okay let's just start from the same starting point and wrote a three ace list uh which i think actually was fine in the the first game and i just barely lost that first game it was a it was a hard-fought uh run with mike uh, and and i it was a it was actually a really really fun challenging scenario too uh, but then it, it showed the holes in the list when we put it into um into uh bounced into scenario three. I had to think of that for a second, uh, because we then played bounced with each of us playing the bouncy or the bouncer. Um, and it was funny, uh, Steve, we must sit there for what three hours afterwards dissecting bounced as a, as a tournament scenario, trying to come up with, with different things and arguing back and forth, whether it was the scenario that was unbalanced or was it the fact that if you played it as a tournament player, you were going to make it unbalanced. Um, yeah. What was your final takeaway from all that?
2: Uh, I, well, number one, I, it's not a competitive scenario, right? But yeah,
0: just, it's fun. It's it, super it can fun. Go fast and it's, and you can slip up and make a mistake and you lose in a heartbeat.
2: And, uh, you have to really read the scenario and the victory conditions oh, yeah. in bounce to understand how to play it. What I do feel like in bounced is, uh, It is very winnable from both sides if you stick to the actual letter of the law that says uh, how you win. So I don't think the scenario is balanced, but I think the victory points kind of artificially, the way victory points are allocated and the actual victory conditions, I think actually kind of like artificially balance it, if that makes sense. Well, I I think what we walked away from is we
0: said you had to play it – for both players under the same conditions, So it had to be the same table. So you couldn't yeah. like rotate tables and change up the theater cards. Change
2: clouds, change yeah, theater change cards. Clouds. Because yeah. as
0: soon as you tweaked one of those things, it it made the the employment of the victory conditions sustainable or not. And I yeah. think that's what, what we really found. For sure. Um, and, and I guess at the end of the day, it, it's a fun scenario, but it just, when you only have three games to play, you can't spread that event over over a lot of them. And what, what we kind of laughed about was you said, if each side is going to lose one of those games, so I lost a bounced and, and Mike lost a bounced. Um, but if East one's going to lose, then whoever wins the first scenario is the guy that wins the tournament, you know? So it's, it's not, you, you have to kind of win a scenario. You're not, you're probably not going to win.
2: Yeah. Uh, I really as, enjoy as, playing uh, it though. I think th- yeah. I really do enjoy that scenario a lot. Uh, but yeah, I think we kind of put that to bed that that's going to show up in any in any tournaments. Yeah, I,
0: I did laugh because because Ken uh, assumed I put more thought into my list than I had. He's like, I really think you guys ought to do a debrief, a live stream debrief for your list. I'm like, that list, the list I made up in like ten minutes and said, ah, she's aggressive as a trait because I like it because it works. Uh, yeah, so it that that list was not worthy of being debriefed. Uh, Mike's list was good and and it was uh, a wildcat swarm list. So. That was that was definitely something we hadn't seen in a while, and that was that was a lot of fun to fly against because there's a lot of there's still a lot of things to swarm with that you have to be careful uh, with even when you limit it down to eight aircraft because there's still just a lot of dice going downrange, uh, and he used Wildcats uh, with rockets, and so uh, that just because he was using the heavier firepower version, the Dash Three I believe it is um, that has firepower two agility one uh you know he was he had a lot a lot better results than if he'd had the higher agility lower firepower one um then i always get those dash backwards whichever one's the dash four, or the dash three um but it was it was good because you know when you double your firepower dice and then throw your pilot skill on top of it uh you can be chucking a lot of dice in that initial attack so i think that was a was a good lesson learned to play that against that kind of a, an opponent for the uh for the tournament or for the, then- the tournament that wasn't a tournament
2: and then, of course, the rocket card sparked the the co- big controversy on the ready room. Right? Is that going to become the you know the meta for whatever? Yeah, and yeah.
0: It was like, like you guys are just jumping on the latest meta, whatever it is. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> two people in the history of Blood Red guys <laughs> have have used rocket cards. Yeah. Originally, it was only Rhonda, Rhonda, and now, and now it has been Mike. So uh, two people have gone to the rocket cards. Yeah, card. but the thing with that is too
2: day. right. Like, yes, we understand. That uh, Corsairs were not carrying rockets and shooting down ME 109s at any point during World War II. Yes, right. we understand that did not happen. And neither and, did
0: hurricanes face uh, yeah, wildcats. Exactly,
2: right? <laughs> and we, every event we do, right, we always do the tournament, but we always say, like, hey, we really like historical scenarios. We really like putting these, like, we always say that. So it's not like we're trying to bastardize and rewrite history. You know, it's just, it's just the tournament. It's an isolated thing that happens in a vacuum. Don't, don't get, you know, all twisted about it. But but one thing,
1: go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, it was cool to see, you know, it did spark a lot of conversation, but that goes to show you that Blood Red Skies does have a place in streaming. Like a lot of people were super interested in it and it brought up a lot of good conversations.
0: Yeah. So that was, what was funny to us is that uh, I think we had more stream viewers than we have podcast listeners, (laughs) But, uh, but uh, you had was, four viewers, <laughs> exactly. <I don't> <laughs> no, no. Steve's mom was not watching. So. <laughs> you guys oh, always God. forget about my mom. <laughs> exactly, she's a most faithful listener. Um, but the 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 fact is, it sparked a good debate, and it was good that people were seeing it. And there were some people that were not necessarily blood the skies people that were seeing it. So I I think it was good. Um, I think one of the one of the problems you run into doing the streaming, as we saw there, is trying to provide commentary without everybody mic'd up or commentary while things are going on. And, and long story short is what we executed there was not, what we did a we didn't have the same crew. We didn't have, you know, Brent and I as the talking heads with Casey running around behind the scenes uh, while, uh, while Steve's managing the stream deck. Uh, so it, yeah, it was a lesson learned. We had fun. We talked our way through it. Steve, I guess you had to be the lone talking head during all three events. So <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was horrible. I hate doing that. That was brutal. <laughs> it was such a wallflower. I did not I, like I would like to just sit
0: here and play my games. I don't they, want to
2: be the announcer. That was brutal. That, I, I like it.
0: I'm I'm an arrogant jerk, so I enjoy uh enjoy talking on the on the mic. Uh okay, so that was kind of the Blood Red Sky stuff. From then on, we just kind of fooled around with Blood Red Skies. We didn't really um stream a whole lot uh for, for BRSO and that. Um and that event. You redeemed yourself by working off the uh, ninety pallets of plywood, uh, <laughs> and you played a game titled "A Fistful of Semen." Yes, mm-hmm. it was a pirate game for all you dirty. I played that game before. There. That's right, you had you played the historic didn't you? Or <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's the game that Casey plays. Uh, well, never mind. <laughs> no,
2: it was it was good. It was awesome. It was a huge pirate. Basically, it was basically a big role playing game. Uh, I don't know. There there was really no winning or losing. It was more just about the social fun aspect of sailing these huge uh, 28 millimeter scale battleships around uh, or pirate ships around. And it was, oh man, it was fun. And it was just-
0: You guys look like you're having a good time. Yeah, it was
2: a
1: blast. I had played it in 2017 at Adepticon and those are the nicest guys. And they get so into it by dressing up in costume and stuff. Like, yeah, if you ever see it at a con, you have to play
2: it. Yeah, Yeah, it was super cool. You do have to play it. Uh, I actually had a tiny little rowboat, a little dinghy the entire time. I didn't even get a real ship. And they actually conceded that... uh, for next time, if I want to play again, if I I can paint up my own dinghy and they will write it into the game for me. So I'm like super excited. I have to get on. Hey, that. man,
0: I don't want to know about you painting your dinghy oh, or whatever yeah. else goes on it's in happening, man. It's You're happening. You're bored in the summertime. Painting your dinghy is not what I need to Oh, about. yeah.
2: Custom dinghies <laughs> by Steve. <Yeah. laughs> Oh well, that's good. Yeah, it's it's a
0: huge social affair to to watch people play that game, and I kind of wish I'd stuck around and and played it, but I was pretty burnt out by that point. So I also knew if I stood in that room, I would keep drinking, and then uh, my Sunday morning would be painful, like your Monday morning was. Uh, so yeah, that that wasn't in the cards for me. But it it seemed. That the role playing element in that game was huge. I know talking to a couple guys, uh, you know, some some guys got their ship shot out from under them. They got thrown in jail. Uh, they had to make their case to the to the governor and then you know explain how they're going to escape from prison and everything else. So it seemed like they had a they had a really good time uh, setting that up and running. And they ran it all, you know all, all three days. So everybody was uh, was really happy with that.
1: Steve, what did you think of the con? Did you enjoy it? Because that was your first time, right?
2: Yeah, I really liked it. I had a great time, but I also I don't know. I have a good time whenever I go to these things. I, I always tell people like these conventions, it could be a huge one, like Adepticon. It could be seven people, like the first Siege of Vicksburg. It is what you make it, right? Oh, totally. so, seven, like, seven,
0: seven people, you mean five vendors and two gamers?
2: No, I always have fun, Sorry, right? Adam. So <laughs> it, it like, yeah, I loved it. It was great. You know, I, I had fun hanging out afterwards. I had fun uh, playing the games. I had fun doing Blood Red Sky stuff. Y- yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome. I think it's a good little con. I think it's kind of, uh, if you haven't been to a lot of them, it's probably a good one to go to because I feel like if you go to something like a store con or Depticon, it's actually kind of easy to get overwhelmed by the scope of it, right? Oh, right. totally agree. You know, so I feel like Twisted Lords, if you've never been to a gaming convention before, there's enough going on that you, if you wanted to play games all day, you could find games to just sit down at. You're not getting to something like a store con where you have to get on a waiting list to get in the game. And then, you know, all that, right. I I would highly recommend going to twisted Lords. It was great. Yeah. It's a
0: good con. I really like it. It's good. I I think I'd be interested to see what the numbers were this year because it seemed, it, it just seemed really different than previous years because fistful of semen took up so much space on in the center area. And so their game was dominating every night. There was a ton of people in the evening when that game would kick off. But the it was hard to then figure out where everybody else was for a lot of the other games. Um, and there obviously were a couple of the different, uh, I don't think they're called World at War or whatever. Um, those, uh, the massive risk games, i will call them, Risk on Steroids. Um, those games, they had three different ones they were playing. Um, so there's... There's a lot of there were a lot of different
2: things going on.
0: Is it global war? Global war. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, the nineteen. Global war nineteen eighty-five and nineteen thirty nine and and twenty
2: twenty-five is the new one coming out, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Steve can't take this shit anymore. A little prophetic. (laughs) Starts global war 2025. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a different dynamic, Casey, this year than than I'm used to. And obviously Mike Garcia wasn't running his um, uh, circus maximus game mm-hmm. at the end of the evening because fistful is full of semen kind of took all that spot so it was just it was a different setup um but it was it was still fun there's still a lot of stuff going on and a lot of people roaming around talking uh and you know got to catch up with people we hadn't seen you know since adepticon last year um you know that had missed this this previous one and got to go hang out at dinner with them uh and so it's it's it was a good scene um i think uh we Validated once again that Fuzzy's Tacos is kind of the lead pursuit hangout. So if you if you can't find us sitting on the uh the back stoop of the hotel eating Chick-fil-A, then we're probably at Fuzzy's Tacos having beer and and uh draft margaritas. I'm really not sure how draft margaritas work, but they're tasty. So comes right out of a draft. Yeah, no clue.
2: Dude, you know, I think that needs to be said about Twisted Lords. Tons of great places to eat right near the hotel.
1: Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's really
1: not expensive either. It's no,
2: no, I said that numerous times. So, I mean, as far as conventions go, you know, like at Adepticon, you got a couple choices right near the hotel and then you got to kind of branch out to go to some other places. Not that those places aren't worth the drive, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good con. It's a good location. Good con. The hotel was cheap. The hotel was nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a blast
0: the hot Nashville chicken about burned my face off. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was good. Yeah. The, the, uh, the setup, I think the only expensive thing was like hotel beers, but no one cares when it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and you're playing, you know, another streaming game. Uh, so uh, everybody's happy to, to pay hotel prices for beer at that point, but it, it's a really good setup. So I, I encourage if you're in the, you know, middle part of the country, or you don't mind flying out there to Oklahoma city um, it's definitely a con worth going to, uh, I would say sign up for stuff early because there were a few games, I think, that that their host didn't show because they didn't get signups. So if you want to play something, just sign up for it uh, just so people know that you're interested um, because, another you know, the Flames of War guy wasn't real sure how many people were going to show up and, and and a couple other guys had kind of expressed concern. But like us, we all showed up, ready to go and had our 1v1 tournament. Um, so it's, it's still a chance to have fun. All right. So uh, day three, Sunday, we played another little spaceship game, or big spaceship game, I guess. Not really a little one. We played Snap Ship Tactics. Where had we seen
2: that first? Uh, was that a They were kind of showing it off at a
0: Yeah, they were showing all the models and everything, and you were standing there pulling your hair out, going, "I thought of this game two years ago. I'm an idiot. Why didn't I publish it?" So, so it was good to actually get to play the game that we had seen so much Steve nerd rage over. Um, what uh, what were your thoughts there? Because I mean, I, and I'll, I'll spoil it for everybody. I loved it, but and there's always a but to it. But uh, Steve, what were your what were your thoughts? Okay,
2: I loved it. I love that it has a card building aspect to it, or you a ship building aspect with cards. Yeah. much like oh, X yeah. Wing, but it is way simplified. Like I absolutely loved it. I loved how you manage the stress and the heat and those resources on your ship. I thought the game was super fun. I love how it's super customizable. I love that it's based off of the toys. If you don't know the toy snap ships, look them up. It's just like a fun, fun toy. That's really customizable. I, I love that the movement template was one thing I, Oh yeah. I loved, (laughs) I mean, I loved it. I think it's amazing, but there is one very large, a I large mean, butt, a large butt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if yours is the same, but I mean, I I loved it. I'm buying it. I'm all in on it. I mean, I think it'd be an awesome tournament game. I think it'd be an awesome gateway game for kids to get into. Or people that aren't that, into that's, war that's my biggest
0: thing about it. Is I think it's a huge good a good gateway.
2: But it's the ships are so big because it's based on a toy that they get when they get close it gets i guess the term would be like claustrophobic kind of where it yeah. gets hard to yeah. move them around but it's freaking awesome and i i can't wait to have I, my own
0: i i think it's a great game and i really enjoyed the mechanics of it i enjoyed the models and i, I enjoyed how easy it was to do everything uh, i enjoyed that they had bases that actually fit the stands or, or stands that fit the bottom of the ships and mechanically locked into the bottom of the ships not like a wobbly little triangle peg uh but but like you said, the only the only detractor that I had, and I, and I can't believe that that's what I'm saying about this game. That it's the only thing that I couldn't that I could find about it that frustrated me was just when you got in close, the ships are are big and they're bigger than the bases, especially if you've customized them with wings and claws and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and so it makes that in close movement a little difficult. Now the nice thing is there are different height bases, so they've already sort of solved the problem for you. But there's only two heights. And so when you still get in close, you, you, you sometimes, uh, as we found, um, there, you, the game kind of like blood red skies drew you into a, a close fight. Now, part of that was the way the ships were built because there were on each side ships that, that could use a ram attack or could do some kind of a ram attack kind of trick. Uh, so, we both had large ships on our side that we wanted to get in close. Or if you're like me and you suck so bad at the game, you just want to run everyone over. You know, <laughs> I just decided to to bounce off of everybody with my ship. Uh but that that was the only detractor I had, which really surprised me. Um but you know Mitch Reed and I were talking about it the other night uh as he was asking me, he couldn't believe he was like, Really did you really like it? I'm like, yeah man, it's great. It has if, if you're an old Battletech player like me, it's got a power and heat economy that kind of feels familiar. And you're like, I got to do stuff to get rid of heat. And then I only got so much power I can use. Um, so those things were familiar. There's a card mechanic to it with how you flip damaged systems and when you choose to repair them and, and things like that. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you I'm, know, go, sorry, go ahead, Casey.
1: I was just saying, I'm looking at their website and the production value looks super high,
0: like looking yeah, at the well, cards and everything. It, and so talking with their guys, uh, the, the cards are great. All, all the stuff they've put in there is awesome. And the, the models, even though they're toys, they prime and paint nicely. And they have a level of detail to them as well that if you're going to get serious about this and you say, I don't want something that just looks like a toy on a stand out there. And you prime it and you come in and you paint it and you edge highlight and you you know use washes and inks and things and you can put some pretty cool detail on there. You know, and I guess the, the kind of guy I would challenge to paint this is Brad. Brad, down there in Australia, we're sending you some Snapship tactics. Oh, my
1: uh, God. Those, all those lines, he would love he, it.
0: Exactly. He would. The, his canopies would be these crazy zigzag jagged lines <laughs> that would look all cool. Uh, Brad, we love you. We're not making fun of your canopies. Your canopies look great, dude. Uh, yeah. But he would love painting something that big. Uh, so I, I, was, I was looking at it kind of thinking, oh, this would be really cool. And I'm like, dude, this is why half of my 40K vehicles aren't painted because they're so darn big. Uh, but, yeah. I didn't know it had AI and co-op modules with it.
2: Yep. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. It does. It, it's, you know, it is I just need to go
0: pre-order it. I, I haven't got yeah. my ass. I've, I have my card sitting right here somewhere. I've got tons pre-orders. of ships not out yet. Right. Well, the, right.
2: Yeah. The, it's not the pre-order. The other thing they do yeah. is you can purchase the card packs by themselves. You don't have to purchase the whole starter set. You oh, can purchase weird. a game no, that mean, does that crazy. Super good. And it is, <laughs> uh, again, Kind of like past the gold standard yeah. of what I consider to be a good game. It' so simple. I mean, 20 minutes. I was like, oh, okay, I know how to play this game. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're an expert at the game, right? Oh, yeah. So it's oh, yeah. super, so simple to learn how to play that it just, it almost seems like it can't, it, you're almost kind of like, this is so simple. Is this like a real game, or is this kind of like a just like a fun goof around game, or is this like an actual? Well, and that was my my big concern the first yeah, time we sat down and got the is I'm like, okay,
0: I see the trappings of a game here. Yeah, and I see some some cool things, but is it going to be a game, or is it just going to be everything kind of moves across the board and you roll some dice and.
2: You know, yeah. So happens, when we first happens. sat down, I don't know if you're familiar with these, but I don't know if you know what, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know what Bakugans are. So there's these no. little toy and they roll up <laughs> in a ball. Know these yeah, you do. I'm sure <laughs> okay. people listening to us know what they are, but they're a little toy. It's kind of like a miniature transformer. And there's a game that you can play with these in air quotes. It's a game, but basically it's just some a different way to play with the toy. It's not really a game that has any strategy or anything like that. I was kind of thinking like, that's what this was going to be. But when you started playing it, you were like, Oh no, like there's a serious list building component of it. Right. And a serious, like you said, energy management portion of it and a serious kind of, uh, spatial orientation component of it as you move around the board and the terrain comes into play. I mean, it is a legit game. I think like a two v two, I think two v two is kind of the sweet spot for it. Yep, and yep. I think it would we played play a three v three and on a four by four table that was a little confining. And like Um, you said, the table size isn't going to change it because everybody wants to go close anyway. So the table size just makes it take you longer to get close to each other. Exactly. But I think 2v2 in a tournament setting, it would play a lot like Blood Red Skies. You could do three rounds in four hours and have a really cool list building aspect. (laughs) Yeah. Snap ship tactics. I would definitely recommend everybody go out there and and check it out for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I, I would be interested to see... You know, the more we get into it and the more you play, it's it's like any other game. You say, oh, wow, there's a lot of options. Um, but then you see how some of those options are, are constrained in there because there's certain systems that have to stack on top of other systems. And so it was kind of interesting. One of the things I learned in the game trying to figure out, like, there's a lot of different weapons. How do you know where you stick them on the actual airplane and all mm-hmm. that? Well, there's actually a system by, well, when I put this wing card next to this uh, this weapons card. Now these are tied together. Therefore I have to put the, the wings on or the weapons on the wings and it gives me different abilities. So there's a lot of tie-ins and things there that I think are great for more experienced or older gamers. Yet you can also play without a lot of that. If, if you're just getting kids in the first time, you know, it's, it's super easy. It's got custom dice. So they're, they're, um, you know, really easy to figure out when you get a critical hit. Cause there's a little critical hit icon. Uh and the the mechanics of that are cool because there's there's always a little bit of I decide, you decide kind of mechanic depending on how you roll your critical hits. So it's a chance where you get to to play a denial kind of individual or a blue falcon and say I'm gonna destroy that system. Uh and sometimes you get to pick it yourself. So I I think it's a fun game, looking forward to getting it, trying it. Um and I will definitely have to paint some models rather than just leave them as the default paint jobs.
2: Man, if these ships were like Aeronautica Imperialis size or x ring size, yeah, it would be I, like I the only some space game I would have. If they play. were
0: half as big as they are now, or maybe a third as big, because they could... I would be happy with them being bigger than AI ships, because I want to be able to customize and put little greebly things on there. But, but yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. Um, Steve, so like are we said, just going to gloss over that Doug said he was going to paint something?
2: Yeah, we're just going to forget about <laughs>
0: <laughs> for you. For you. <laughs> Would you like to see Fulcrum Leader anytime this year? Okay. Guess what? My painting is is on a hiatus till till Fulcrum Leader gets done. Uh, but the I think the interesting part, like you talked about, with the movement tempo. Movement is so intuitive, but and here's the biggest but about the movement, and I and I liked it, it bit me so many times. You cannot pre measure your movement. Period dot. There is no for, for movement. Only shooting. Can you do pre measurement? And oh, oh under- by yeah. the way, guess who's eyeball cal effing sucks at this game? Me. <laughs> How many times I go? I'm going to sneak right in there, and I'd run into the other ship, or I'm I'm going to get right within range, I'm going to move my guy here, and then I look at the range, I'm like shit, Now I just check the range, and I'm out. Um, <laughs> so there's there's a lot of fun to it, and there's a lot of um, a lot of tense moments where you are like, let me see if I can just drop my ship right next to that guy and not actually hit him. Uh, so I I think it'll be fun, and then people like Casey who are you know stay-at-home dads and have nothing better to do than assemble little ships with their daughters. Um, they're really going to enjoy the toy aspect of the game because they'll never get to play it because they're never going to be in a freaking con. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, Casey, Casey. One of these years, we'll see you again, maybe next Adepticon. Every year we get to see Casey. Can we have more time with Casey? Uh, all right. So that was Snapship Tactics. Had a lot of fun. Get the videos up uh on this on youtube so everyone can see uh what we did and it was it was really good to talk through that game um i saw a lot of other stuff that i wanted to buy and man i just i i don't know why I, I think i was the the kid with 25 cents in his pocket and snuck his hands in his pocket so he wouldn't spend his money uh i i did a good job i came out of there without buying a lot i bought like a board game as i'm looking over there like a board game and a couple miniatures um i didn't buy and i'm um, being that horrible podcast host, I can't remember the name of her company. I didn't buy any of those 3D printed cat RPG figures. Fail, fail. And I can't think of the name of her company because I wanted to say something about it. Um, She did some amazing sculpts and those 3D printed cats were awesome. So if you want everything from ninja cats to barbarian cats to cat orcs uh you know whatever whatever fantasy uh thing floats your boat she has a cat miniature that's very thematic for it um and i think from what they said is they're even going to start printing adventures for them that are obviously going to plug into uh dungeons and dragons and other other fantasy role-playing games but that are actually themed in the world so uh you can play more cat-like miniatures so yes i'm a cat lover sorry uh it was pretty funny and i i I noticed you were checking it out you know steve i mean it was kind of like that same look you had looking at the chibis so i'm like steve's gonna redeem himself he's gonna redeem himself (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna buy cat miniatures instead.
2: why not everybody (laughs) loves cats
0: everyone loves cats not really but that's all right i love cats uh i'm one of those weird cat people
2: all right so that
0: was twisted lords in a nutshell obviously uh Everyone's heard us joke about We might have had a little bit too much fun Sunday night, um, staying up late drinking. Um, I got to my airplane fine. Steve, I think you eventually made it to your airplane. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I made it. Yeah, they poured you into the airplane. Uh, But we managed to get out of there and get uh, back to our homes in in relative sober uh, capabilities. I think Steve's sworn off drinking for the next year until Adepticon. Yeah,
2: until Adepticon. (laughs) <laughs> I'm an I'm a official teetotaler tilla man. <laughs>
0: Ooh. Takes all the fun out of life. Uh, I, or I guess maybe your lesson learned is don't sit down with a ranger and a marine and try to drink either one under the table.
2: Yeah, I was, it's not like I was trying to do that. I was just didn't I? You know, I was just. Didn't, I was drinking at the same rate, right? I wasn't like it was. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I just hey.
0: I I guess we've uh, I've thrown the gauntlet down because. Now I'm uh, I'm two for the three other members of the podcast. I guess it's Brett and I in the final round. So Adepticon with margaritas, uh, since I know I've already beat Casey down. And yeah, I, I know.
2: <laughs> I clearly. Uh... Clearly have a limit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that that was my limit because I think I walked away from my last beer and you drank it. (laughs) So I knew I I was at my limit. I'm I'm done. Like this is not going to go well if I have one more beer. So anyway, yeah, we had a good time, and and thanks again to John Russell, um, his team, Tony, Ogre, Big Will, all those dudes. For rolling out the red carpet for us, taking care of us, uh, Vicky, who really is the hostess with the mostess uh, there, uh, helping out uh, everybody at TLC, they did a great job. Um, and once again, thanks to Sherwood War Games to Phil and Tina for taking care of us, uh, and thank you Tina for bringing me caffeine when I needed it in the morning, even if it was tea instead of coffee. I'll survive. Um, but yeah, uh, they uh, they were taking good good care of us there. So, all right. Moving on from that, you uh rolled into yet another game the next weekend. You did decide to do Historicon. Tell us a little bit about what terrible idea that was.
2: It, yeah, well it was a terrible idea because I was still hungover from Twisted Lords. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> five days I didn't later, later to go to Historicon and drink, <laughs> <You did. laughs> But uh no, it was good. You know, was, I, I feel like it was a typical historicon, uh, much the same as last year. Felt like and I I only went up for Friday, so I didn't stay uh for a long time but uh did see the aerodrome guys so that was cool i popped into their room just say what's up with them they were doing a uh a uh, world war ii aerodrome game that i popped into that was pretty cool i Uh, think i'm most
0: upset about missing that not going to nashcon so i'm not gonna play yeah i know right Uh, and maybe i'll have to play that on sunday have to find an excuse to get up there but they're always
2: you know they're always awesome to see uh these you know your standard uh 14 different versions of gettysburg that you have at every historic and saw some of those guys playing but so were the they playing it one-to-one or were they actually doing nah, it longer was, than the entire yeah, battle it was, it was uh, yeah double time scale or something half time yeah. scale i don't know. Half was, time scale yeah, it insane uh, <laughs> it takes six days to do the to battle of three gettysburg days
0: <laughs> Yeah, and then the guy really, actually... Two hours of Gettysburg that mattered. Don Ayers, I don't care what you say. There's like two hours of the whole freaking three days that mattered, and we're not going to make it play out for 24 hours, so...
2: Yeah, yeah. and then the guy nobody, actually nobody did a, did a nine-hour reenactment of the Gettysburg Address. It was fat. It was <laughs> he read it at sloth speed. Yeah. One word every three three seconds. Yeah. Uh, but, and this is... I, I feel like this is kind of a lesson that is kind of a PSA to the ready room. I was walking through... <laughs> One of the halls, and there was a table. It was like a four by six table, 20 to 25 Blood Red Skies airplanes on it, about half a dozen people sitting around it. And I was like, Oh man, you guys are playing Blood Red Skies. That's awesome. Have my Lead Pursuit shirt on. They're like, Yeah, we love this game. It's great. You know, we really like it. I was like, Oh, I, I guess you guys listen to Lead Pursuit. What's Lead Pursuit? I was like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever. So then I was like, you know, I, I see they they have airstrike out. They're just kind of playing and they're asking some questions. I was like, Oh, you guys should really hop on the uh, blood red skies ready room on Facebook. You know, it's a whole community. They got, uh, add on cards, a master list. We're not on Facebook. So, I mean, they were playing with straight up whatever was printed, you know, no, no FAQ, no errata, no they're playing straight up 2018. Yeah. Printed vanilla, card of a mosquito. Yeah. <laughs> vanilla blood, red skies. And man, you know, these people? it just made me, it really made me think like, there's probably a lot more people out there playing this game that we like, nobody even knows about. They're playing it with one or two people and they're playing in their little group and they're kind of isolated in their own little bubble. Uh, yeah, so just, just something to keep in mind out there with Blood Red Skies, you know? Yeah, I,
0: I agree with you. And we've talked about it a lot that I think there are more people that play Blood Red Skies in their local gaming groups than we realize, and we assume that, well, they're going to play it when they go to a con, and no, that's their time to go play a lot of other stuff. Or, you know, maybe once a year they'll get together at, at one of the local events and, and play Blood Red Skies a little bit, and they'll do all the other cool games they haven't seen or people's customized games. Um, so... He, does it bother me? Not really. Uh is it funny? Yes, it's always funny when when instead of the usual, oh leap shoot, we listen to you guys. You guys are awesome. It's like leap shoot, who the hell are you? Uh yeah, so it's it's always good to have that uh kick to our humbling and yeah, true.
2: I did have to chuckle a little bit because they had some rules questions and I walked away from the table. They had some pretty basic rules questions, but I was like, oh yeah, we play it all the time. Like, no problem. I'll help you with the rules, answer these questions. I was feeling really good, right? So walked away from the table and about two or three minutes later, this guy comes over, taps me on the store He's like, hey man, could you uh could you maybe answer some questions with us about this? We just really don't understand multi engine rules. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, don't worry. I was like, just play them however you want. Nobody really understands those. This is all good.
0: <laughs> Bro, we were the only Blood Race Guys
2: podcast. We don't know how multi engine rules <laughs> you know, I was like, I, yeah, I have no, I honestly am very confused about multi engine rules. Just play them however you want. <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> uh, yeah sadly that's more true than i like to admit. Oh, it oh it is we've even, uh i can't remember what the latest discussion was but there was a discussion here where i had to sit back and go i'm so confused oh it was, it was this whole discussion of multi-engine tailing, tailing now you it, can it, tail it, them it, i keep wondering where have, where have you guys I, it, how have you guys been sitting under a rock because i i had a moment where i'm like Am I getting this wrong? The way Brett's asking me this question, my fellow member of the Lead Pursuit podcast, I'm like, man, I got to be wrong. And I put up the book. I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. I'm correct. Ah, but well, can you the outmaneuver
2: them now, too? No,
0: you cannot. I okay. still cannot. You but still cannot be outmaneuvered. But because tailing, the prohibition against tailing was tied in the old uh, Battle Britain box set in scenario four. So in escort duty, it said multi engine aircraft cannot be tailed. And that was the only scenario that used multi-engine aircraft that weren't agile. So that um, that was kind of where that concept came from. And I know when Brett and I first played B-29s, we played two different ways. We played one game where you could tail and one game where you couldn't tail. Um, once again, let's go back to multi-engine rules. They're confusing enough. Uh, so either way had a tactical decision. Um, if you could tail, then you didn't want to get back there because their tail guns would shoot at you. But if you couldn't tail then it took you a while to knock them down. But yeah, it, whatever. Um, pick away, no, play the, it like everything else.
2: The only other thing is I'm going to throw this out there as a PSA to anybody who wants to run a game at a convention. Uh,
0: uh, don't use medicine bottle tops as your yep. last tokens. Okay. So.
2: Find something else besides actually blue Falcon hobbies now is carrying Blast templates modeled off of prescription CVS <laughs> bottle tops. So
0: we're going to yeah, use, I
2: cannot believe that. What we're going to use, thing. we're going to use, uh and then we're going to use like the big, like two inch uh, Tylenol bottle topper, you know, like the big bottle yeah, of Tylenol yeah. that's going to be for like a, a bigger mortar or something. But yeah, we're going to tile that right in there. Yeah, no,
0: it. don't use those. Definitely. Maybe
2: we'll even yeah. use, we'll find out a way that you can glue your, uh napoleonic soldiers onto your weekly pill calendar thing you know it has that little rectangular thing with sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday
0: meant, rank gonna
2: say. <laughs> you know you're ranking you how
0: you can reuse your catheters as oh, bases for your, <laughs> your napoleonic epic
2: scale <laughs> oh yeah but that was that was definitely a, a funny thing uh but sat down to a game that was a super interesting topic. Really, really liked it. I'm not going to call out the game because the guy was super enthusiastic about it and it was a super neat topic, but it was a homebrew rule set and it was not, I wouldn't even say it's horrible because it wasn't horrible. It just was not fun. And the one thing I would say to everybody is if you want to put on an event at a big convention it, you could write a scenario about anything so if you want to do some obscure conflict or you want to do some very one-off battle whatever find a uh, a rule set that is written for the scale that you want to play right. and the time period you want to play and write a really good scenario. And if you want to throw in one little kind of caveat rule, scenario rule or whatever, yeah, yeah. go for it. But there is a distinct difference between games that are play tested and worked over and published than a homebrew rule set. And it's very, very, very rare that you sit down at a home at a game that's a totally homebrew rule, and it's fun. So just I would right. throw that out there. I would I would recommend people focus more on writing a scenario that's really good and tight and cleaned up. Well,
0: I think that's exactly the thing that Dan Dion has said a number of times, is that the great thing with Blood Red Skies is it's a it's a tested set of rules and it's fairly tight and consistent, except for maybe multi engines, whatever. Um, But the key is the scenario builder toolkit, all the other things you throw throw in there, how you add that special rule or whatever without breaking the good construct of the game and you add, have something that adds a little bit of flavor uh, but still is based on the game that plays well, that plays fast, that you don't spend 57 minutes just giving the background to before you start the game. Uh, so so I, I think there's something there. And as much as I make fun of Warlord and their epic scale Napoleonics and their epic scale uh, uh, American Civil War, part of the beauty of it is it gives you a starter kit. That when you want to do that homebrew game for the Battle of Murfreesboro or whatever, um, that there's not something dedicated for, you really can build in there and you can make your own special rules. You can house rule stuff. You can simplify things if you want to. Um, no one cares. They're not going to show up and steal your pike and shot rule set. Like steal your, you know, uh, black powder rule set. Uh, but but it gives you some things. Uh, it gives you a known starting point. So I think that's the important part.
2: Yeah, and it just is a difference, right? Like it's something to think about. And I certainly don't want to sound like I'm like discouraging creativity, you know, or like something like that. Like certainly uh I think there's a lot of great and this whole battle was something I had never heard of, and this guy was like a a serious authority on the battle, and it was super interesting, and it really made me wanna like look up this more about this battle and everything. Uh, but it just wasn't a fun war game right, right? yeah so, that makes sense so something something to just think about i think uh, that's that's kind of one of the problems of historic on and, and i haven't got out there casey maybe
0: you've already seen some of the debriefs if little wars tv or anyone has already thrown out a debrief of this historic on um have you seen anything that kind of talked about what the the balance of the games or anything was i know like little King wars put one them. out but i haven't got a chance to watch it yet okay i haven't either so i'd be curious to see what everyone's take on it is and it seems HMGS events emphasize the homebrew rules, the homebrew over the, you know, commercialized game. Mainstream stuff. Yeah. Mainstream, um, which is cool. And I'm, I'm cool with people making their own rules. But I think you got to understand if you're going there to demo your rules about a specific time period or something, that's one thing. It's another if you want to drag people into a game and have a good time and have them have a good time. You know, it's not about you. It's about them. They're the customer here. Uh, so. Yeah, make it easy. Plus, especially because if your rules don't resemble anything else, it's not like like you say, "Hey, this is bolt action, but without dice." That for activation, we have activation chits, you know, or something like that. So um, you don't have a frame of reference to move people on to that that game.
2: And the killer with it is too, right? Is there is a finite amount of things you could sign up for, right? Because there is a finite amount of time, right? So to kind of, I think in the game description too just be clear about it. Right. So like, if this is the first time you've ever played this and you've run this scenario once every other year, when you set up at a store con, kind of like, just be clear about it. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people that'd be like, oh man, this guy has a homebrew rule set. I'd like to sit down and try it out and maybe yeah. bounce some ideas off them. Right. So but yeah. just be clear about what you're offering if you're doing that. And I, I don't know, I always try to keep in mind, just make, make sure you're, giving a fun experience and it was a fun experience. It was just not a fun game. Just the game itself.
0: The the game was not enjoyable. The the social experience was fine, but the game itself. Yeah. Um, Oh, trust me. I, I, I've played a few of those at conventions and it was funny because, you know, Pat was there, Pat Doyle and son, Matt were both there. They're playing, I guess in the flames of war tournament. Um, But they were talking about some of the other, you know, modified rule systems. Like they've started playing full thrust. Uh, for sci-fi ship games and and which which rule set are you playing you playing their old rules you're playing the new uh community derived rules uh so i i think there's always a little bit of truth in uh you know in gamesmanship that you say here's the rule set i'm using here's what it's based on i've modified it or i'm playing just straight out of the rule book or hey this is my own homebrew system so people know what they're getting in for Uh, but but it's always fun i mean that's and that's how we found a lot of the games that we like uh, is we just roll in and see what people are playing and sit down and go, dude, show me this airplane game and go figure it out. So, which i got to say, uh, I'm realizing there's more airplane games out there than most people realize, even us that do an aerial war gaming podcast, because literally someone will mention it that, that they're playing a game I'm like, I've never heard of that. Where's that rule system? I'll go and look up and go, oh, that one actually exists, you know. So, Kind of like missile threat, which we we're supposed to be talking about this week, but we'll talk about next week. week. Next, next week, week soon. Soon.
2: <laughs> soon. Coming soon. soon to we're building the U. suspense. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> suspense. Suspense. Yeah. We'll get we'll get to missile threat one of these days.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about okay. the expansion of full thrust, uh what's it called? One pump or <laughs> <laughs> oh it's never a
1: dull day with you steve without alcohol ladies and gentlemen yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this exactly this is teetotaler steve can you imagine steve with a few margaritas in him <laughs> ladies and gentlemen do not bring the kids around hide your kids hide your wives <laughs> oh yeah all right well so Historicon. um anything else you want to say about the gathering of the old grogs i mean Historicon i mean you got to talk to mitch reed got to yeah you know, saw mitch. Chat with him always good to see mitch yeah it, yeah, it, it was mitch, fun Eddie ran into you so it was, it was good
2: fun. yeah it was good it was a lot of fun
0: yeah I, I got the debrief from mitch about uh all the craziness going on and uh you know so I, I think he was happy to be there and get to play some games and take a break from sitting in a bunker somewhere playing war games about real war so it's good for him to get out and do a little fun stuff um well, Casey, what, what what are we gonna ask you about? What what have you done for the good of the podcast lately, besides having uh, to get just, more airplanes? <laughs> printing planes. That's
1: it. I haven't even played anything. And uh, you know, with oh, my Hobby Garage AC going out, all I've been doing is uh going through my Helion collection, reading all those books, and just I haven't done anything. just waiting for the next oh, con to come up. Oh,
0: but it's also oh. like hundred
1: and six here every day, just soul sucking.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is why, you know, I mentioned before the start of the podcast, thinking about coming out there in November. I'm like, oh, joy, it'll only be 97 degrees if I come out in
1: November. Yeah, exactly.
0: I think I'm avoiding Texas. No,
1: and I mean, I know we're going to bring this up too, but uh, a lot of my group's getting excited about Epic coming around the corner. And, you know, that's something I I think we'll definitely get into and the aerial component of it. And
0: it's, yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one because I really want to see where it's going to go. I'm super excited about Epic, but then again, I'm an old school Epic player. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm looking really forward to getting back into it. I will be curious how airplanes play in. You know, we've seen a lot of a lot of setups where you see Thunderhawks that look like they're about to land, or there's other stuff flying in. So I'm curious what it's going to do on the board, how it's going to interact. Um, I'm kind of I remember how it used to be, at least in uh, Titan Legions, and then on into the first uh, Epic scale where Thunderhawks could come into land. Um, so. We'll see how it all plays like I those new study. bases that they showed uh, you know people are bitching and complaining about the bases i'm like whatever man I, it, like everything else with nerd rage someone's going to find a reason to detract and i'm like well, oh, if i don't yeah. have to track altitude and airspeed i at least better have a base i can put some cool scenic stuff on which oh by the way let's talk about the other 700 pound gorilla hey gw i thought i had enough of your stupid little epic scale buildings but now you have to release a set <laughs> of ruined buildings freaking jerks you know yeah. those
1: tiles too are awesome i just wish they were a little bit more uh like you had some curves because you know they're all straight
0: lines and stuff yeah, but yeah. i'm sure someone to put on an stl for the imperium but... does not make curved roads all their roads are on a grid did, did you not straight and read any, narrow. yeah did you not read any of the lore uh so i i actually the boards to me are like eh meh i i don't know why i'm i'm not as excited about those as i am about the ruined buildings and i guess just when I look at it, I think of playing Aeronautica, and so I think of all, all the cool ruined stuff I can do uh, with that for the terrain. Because you know, going back to um, Dave Pauls and, and all the guys who were at AdeptCon running the Heresy Aeronautica game, those guys had some seriously great buildings built put together. Um, so thanks again to those guys for loaning it to us. Gave me some more ideas for next year. Um, and for me now, I'm I'm in a recurring Monday night. Uh, I guess we're not really an Aeronautica league. You'd have to have like more than eight people to be a league or something, um, but we're a recurring group of Aeronautica gamers. So it's, it's fun. Um, I had a chance to play this last Monday. Uh, totally got tabled in the first, first game. It was pretty funny. It, it just, I sucked horribly. Uh, I then came back and played one uh, V2 against two other players. Uh, and that was a, f- a fun game. So I'm, I'm enjoying playing against a different group of guys um and now that we have chris here in the u.s uh hopefully i'll be on a recurring basis on monday nights face punching him uh every time (laughs) we play uh aeronautica and and beating the crap out of him so we'll see but uh it's it's good to have a recurring game night uh messes with our podcast schedule but we'll figure that out but the guys the team over at high ground hobbies um man they, they continue to amaze me with their setup out there i just hate the fact that it's 45 minutes from my house so have to drive all the way across town to to go play, but um, they've got a, a great gaming setup and pretty decent food too. So, all right. What else do we want to talk about this week for summer events? Anything else that, uh, it's on the list. I don't think anything else. Summer,
1: what's going to be the next event, next con we're all at, or we're going to run something? What's the plan? So
0: that's that's the weird thing. Uh, Mike Lewis, once again, our freaking hero. I owe him a lot of beer. Um, he's going to run at NashCon a furball on Friday night and a tournament on Saturday. So look forward to seeing that info. I'm going to put out some more info on our Gathering of Eagles group in the Blood of the Sky's Ready Room so people know that that's going down. But there will be a tournament. There will be a uh, furball. So plenty of blood red skies at Nashcon without us. I will probably show up maybe part of Saturday and Sunday. I don't know. Stupid work trips. Um, So we won't make that. The next event I will attend is Siege of Vicksburg. Uh, Question is still whether Steve will fly down because he loves the airport down there so much. Uh, <laughs> that whether we'll fly in. Uh, that's going to be a great setup. Adam Chance has got a, a good, good venue this time. Right there on the lake, because we can all relax, pointing our pinky, drinking our mint juleps uh, and, uh, and playing our games uh, in the Siege of Vicksburg, not in Vicksburg. Um, so that will be good. If you haven't gone out to the website to look, all the information is there uh, for the Siege of Vicksburg convention. Uh, in october and then after that i don't have anything on the schedule casey i know millennium cons canceled until next year
1: yeah nothing really here in texas till i guess really what i'm looking forward to is fall in i guess november yep so
0: that's the fourth right we said the weekend of the fourth yeah i guess that's our next stake in the ground we're kind of saying so uh steve you're gonna go obviously (laughs) it's right around the corner from you and Mm -hmm. we're talking about coming up um, and at least making a lead pursuit showing of it and hanging out and having a good time. Um, so that fall in might be the the next big event. I guess we better start doing our research for that and I better leave time in my schedule so I can go do that. <laughs> I'll be on a plane to Timbuktu or other parts of the world. So, all right, well, cool. Um, you know, as always, please give us your feedback. We realized this was kind of just a quick recap of everything that was going on um, talking about, both the conventions we've gone to, the things we're looking forward to. We are going to do a detailed episode to talk about missile threat one of these days. I've only had the rules for two years. Uh, we'll talk about that hopefully next episode. We're also going to talk about Epic Scale. I know there's a lot of 40K haters out there, but when that rolls out, we're going to talk about the little plastic airplanes uh, in, uh, in the Epic Scale 40K game and how that all impacts. And because I'm playing aeronautica every uh, monday night we'll probably talk about that as well so please go out there like the podcast uh, subscribe to the podcast leave us some comments tell us the things we do right the things we do wrong um ask us what events we're going to and we'll tell you we have no freaking clue um but that's kind of where we are in the way that our personal schedules are guys anything that you want to leave as a wrap-up um if you're looking for he
1: 111s for your blood red skies game Doug is about to have a hefty stock of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll make this point. And, and John Russell, I love you. Love you like a brother. Warlords HE-111s, I want to punch them down the flight line. So if you want HE-111s where the wings actually are molded into the body and not a two-part thing, Lead for Shoot podcast, leapshoot.net, and then click on store. Uh, and you can buy HE-111s to your heart's content. <laughs> but, you know, that's how it is uh, with uh, with 3D modeling and 3D printing. And I think you'll see a number of people in the next in the years to come uh, shifting to, uh, to some of that. But anyway.
1: Yeah. No, just, uh, you know, try to stay cool. And we're coming upon fall, which is always the good hobby gaming season. I'm getting excited for it. Yeah, you're excited. The temperature will be below 100 degrees. When I say fall, we still have three months of summer left (laughs) in Texas, but I'm being positive.
0: (laughs) I've got a month and a half of summer here, so maybe it'll (laughs) drop by September. Uh, Well, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. And everybody out there, remember that there's a real reason the Lead Pursuit Podcast is here. We're the Lead Pursuit Podcast, welcoming our new overlords, Hornby with open arms.
2: We were sitting there listening to him tell the tale of this war. It was 57 minutes until we began deployment. Um, I okay. think I would have got up and left. So, <laughs> then? Yeah, not interested. By the time deployment was over, we were an hour and 35 minutes into the session, and we had yeah. just finished deployment. It was insane. It was insane. But this is like number one reason you don't make a homebrew game yeah yeah
0: was like, exactly. it just
2: like a lot of
1: work up and talking for nothing
2: oh yeah because i feel like if he would have describe
1: th- my sex life with my wife <laughs> <laughs>